Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue the Sefer Sha'arim Batvila. Rabbi Shem Shem Pinkus, we're on our third and final installment on the topic of Chilui, Ches Yud Lamed Vav Yud, which means pleading and the arguments and the points you make to plead your case and how you have to, it depends who the person is and what you say and what your point is. And if we use the points that the rabbis have told us, and not only that, but the whole structure of prayer and everything about prayer gets us to a good place. So now in the section Ches, as he ends the first section of Chiwi, we have the Pasuk, we say it every Shabbos afternoon. And I, my prayer to you and Hashem at an auspicious time. And the rabbis say not all times are as auspicious as others. There are some that are really, really opportune times. As it says in the Navi, Seek out Hashem when He can be found. Call out to be so corrupt when he is close. One of those times, now we know the 10 days of tshuva is, a, is an auspicious time, certain auspicious times. One of the auspicious times is when you just finish doing a mitzvah. When you just finish doing a mitzvah, the gates of heaven are wide open because of the merit of the mitzvah you have done. And Hashem is very close to receive your prayers at this awesome times. And let's give you some sources to this. We know one of the mitzvahs is to give, and when we had a Beis HaMikdash, and we lived in Eretz Yisrael with a Beis HaMikdash, was to give the, the uh, agricultural gifts. And every three years, you made a declaration called Vidui Maestros where you mentioned that you successfully finished the mitzvah of the three-year cycles of the agricultural gifts. So it's something you declare. And when we finish the declaration that I said, I finished the mitzvahs in this three years of the cycle, then you continue saying the following, and bless your nation, the Jewish people, and the land which you gave to us. Why are you saying that? You're, you're just saying you did a good job. The answer is because now that you've finished doing the mitzvah, now it's a good time to pray to God. Because now, when you're going to ask, he, he got his attention. He's there. That's the point. Gemara in Baba Kabbalah says, Rebbe would give a penny or whatever, a coin to a poor man, and then he would dive it. Quotes a pasuk, which means to open up the gates of heaven of prayer. First, you do the mitzvah tzedakah. Now, really, the mitzvah tzedakah is a very unique mitzvah more than other mitzvahs, because the pasuk says, "I, Hashem, I will see your face when you give tzedakah." But the early rabbi says that after any mitzvah, it's an auspicious time. To David and uniquely for that aspect of what that mitzvah is all about. So let me give you a couple examples. Okay, when do women, married women, give tzedakah the most often during the week? When? When they light the candles. Okay, so what do they do? 
They give. They light the candles. They give some tzedakah. Now, they're doing two mitzvahs over here, but really, the bigger mitzvah is lighting the candles. What does she do after she lights the candles? No. After she lights the candles, what does she pray? What does she pray? In the book. What does it say in the book? Just tell me in your own words. Just What does she pray? To being the, the CEO of a company? Is she praying for... She's praying to children, especially the son. Should be Because why? When you're lighting candles, lighting candles is symbolic of wisdom. So now, when you're doing a mitzvah, you got God's attention. He's right, right here. You think you do a mitzvah, God ignores you? Your mom's having come up. You have to have come on. It's not you're just going through like a robot. You say, okay, now the Shabbos is coming. I want to bring in the Shabbos. And I know that's going to make Hashem happy. And I have a mitzvah. I have a mitzvah to light the candle. And the candle is light. is symbolic of wisdom. And now I'm bringing in the Shabbos. And Hashem is coming down. He's right right in the, in the, in the, in the kitchen, in the dining room, the living room. It's Hashem, while I have you, can you please make sure that my children grow up to be Tamiri Chachamim? If you think about it, when we bench, when is the benching, thanking God for the food, when does that part of the liturgy end? When you finish the fourth bracha and you end, and then, amen. That's the fourth blessing. Then what do we do? That really the benching is over. You've done your job. You've thanked Hashem perfectly. Wait a minute. There's still about uh, another 25% more to say. What? You're thanking the guests or your family? No. Not thanking anybody. You're pleading with God. Harachamon! Oh, merciful one, bless this table. Oh, merciful one, bring Mashiach. Oh, merciful one, bless the host. Oh, merciful one, bless my parents, bless my wife, bless my kids. Oh, merciful one, you should rule. What are we, we're, we're pleading. We're saying Harachaman, the merciful one. Why? You know why? Because you just finished doing a mitzvah, a biblical mitzvah of thanking Hashem for the food. So the heavens are open. That's a good time. You can really throw in any arachamon you want at that time. But we really are. Look at what those arachamons are saying. Arachamon who use that kainuli moisa Mashiach. Hashem bring Mashiach. There's so many things that we're asking for. So a lot of us see this is the, the, the problem. We say, oh, if the benching will be shorter, it'll be so much easier. I agree, it'll be a lot easier. But the point is, it's not not the whole benching is the mitzvah benching. Two thirds of it, three quarters, let's say, is the mitzvah benching. But the last part, it's not the mitzvah benching. It's this is your chance to make your purse to plead with Hashem. 
such a golden opportunity. Problem is, you know, it's hard for us to read so many Hebrew words. And after you're three quarters of the way done, it's getting tiring. But you got to realize, now's the time to really ask for what you need. That's a similar idea. I can't remember who the story is with. I, it's such a famous story. But I so there was a... Uh, there was a tzaddik who was invited to uh, participate in a bris. But unfortunately, after the child was born, or during the father of the boy was very sick, and the father was dying. And the father's dying, and there's a bris to be done. So people are waiting. The rabbi comes in, says, what are you waiting for? Well, the father's going to die any minute. So you figure like this, we're Ashkenazim, not Sephardim. We're going to wait till the father dies, then we'll do the bris, and then we'll name the child after the father. Because Ashkenazim only name over dead people. Sephardim, they not a lot, no, after living people, but this is an Ashkenazim bris. So I says, what are you doing? Do the bris now! Says, why? Because now... Elia Novi is coming. And once he's here, I'll dab him for your father too. And so it was. They did the bris, he tzadik david, and he recovered. Why? It's not only Elio, but it's when you're doing a mitzvah, Hashem is there. So those are all, that's such an auspicious time. You got to remember when we, when we finish a mitzvah, that's why we give tzedakah before we dab Because I've done a mitzvah, and now I'm asking for things from Hashem. So it comes out, there are a lot of ways to um, capitalize, to be able to plead properly with Vishon. First of all, when you're doing a mitzvah, that's a great time to capitalize on it and to plead with Hashem. Especially if you give tzedakah. Then when you're in a congregation, as we said yesterday, when you're in the congregation, you're part of the tapestry of the message we're sending to Hashem and also the power of our patriarchs. We're using their words. This is deep stuff. To know how are you able to get Hashem to acquiesce to our requests. But everything that the rabbis tell us, they know what you can do to curry favor with Hashem and open up the gates of heaven. So this is the end of the first long concept of chilui, of pleading before Hashem. That's all included in chilui, the pleading, using the right words, and getting help from external sources that gives you a better chance for your words to be heard. Now, what? Good. Now we go to the second section within Chilui, which gives us a second interpretation to the word Chilui. Not just pleading, which is correct, but there's another one. Fortune of Slave. Chilui is an expression of trembling and shuddering. Because when it says, Vayechal Moshe, the Gemara gives a number of explanations of what Vayechal means. And one says it's an expression of chal chala, 
which is to shudder. Which means, Gore says, when your bones are on fire, there is a, an enthusiasm, an excitement, impassioned is the word. You're monish, you're on fire before Hashem. And that's, and that's really a prayer where you're shuddering, you're quaking. And this is the custom why we shuckle. That's me coming from that. When was the last time you were so frightened you were shaking in your boots and almost urinating in your pants? Really scared, eh? Okay, let's say you were uh, in a very uh, stressful situation. Now, I am sure that when the terrorists did the massacre, most people in those settlements, they were shaking. Now, we should shake the same way before Hashem, not because he's going to kill us, but just to know in the awesome presence in whom you are at. And that's, he says now, is the two reasons why we should be shaking. Number one is because you're standing before God, King of the universe. Now, if you had a chance to go to a very, very holy rabbi, it's very hard to get in. Imagine for Spartan when the Baba Sali was alive. Imagine if you would get to see the Baba Sali in Nitivot. You think you'd just be calmly walking over there? You'd be shaking. And you're in front of a big, big, big rabbi, a powerful person. And you're in front of God. Right? Just like when Hashem revealed himself in the world when we left Egypt, it says in the hollow that the mountains were 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 were, were shaking. And when the Torah was given, Hashem revealed himself with his greatness. And, and it was like on fire. Everyone was trembling. Wherever the Shekhinah is, that's where you're filled with trepidation and fear. Not that it's going to hurt you, but just the awesomeness. So when you're davening, that the Shekhinah is there, as the Shulchan Aruch says, many halachas. For example, if somebody's davening in the middle of the Amidah, you're not supposed to walk right in front of them. Because the Shekhinah is right in front of them. Okay, and if it's right there, you should be very nervous. Okay, and that's Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva would daven in a, in, a, in a building. He started in one place. By the time he's finished the Amidah, he's in another place. He's shaking back and forth. So number one, that's that's what it is. Because remember, especially if you're pleading, then you're usually shaking also. And number two reason for this is because how important what you're talking about is. You're not just exchanging trivialities. You're talking about things that Life and death depend on it. If you're if you don't have health, your heart will just stop in the middle. It's serious stuff. Moshe Rabbeinu, when the word Vayechal 
once, once he prayed to God after the sin of the golden calf. What was Hashem planning on doing? Wiping him out. And if the Jews get wiped out, the whole purpose of creation is wiped out. That was serious business. So Moshe is talking to the most powerful being about the most important thing you can be talking about. And he's trying to plead with Hashem and he's shaking. Because if it doesn't work, it's going to be a disaster. And that's how we have to understand, as we've said in many other parts of the tefillahs that we've explained, to realize how important the subject matter is. All the more so now when we're dealing with the war. Again, another two of our boys get killed in battle. You know, it's hard, it's hard not to be jaded from this, the numbers, the statistics. Of but to realize it's it's really serious. What we're praying for is you should be trapped. And, and who's the one that decides where the bullets go if not Hashem? When the war will be over, a lot of stories will be told. A lot of stories will be told. How people just can't explain how they survived. Or can't explain why they died. It goes both ways. So that's why, you know, you really should be pleading. We have to plead to Hashem. We have to find those opportunities when we're doing mitzvahs, etc., etc., but, but to be, be shaking. And now there's a third aspect of this. Let's talk about when a person's learning Torah. What is an important factor for success in learning Torah? When I mean success, it means you're learning something, you get the message, you remember it, and it's integrated into your psyche. That's called success in learning. You've assimilated the divine knowledge into your being, and you live based on that. That's called success in learning Torah. Now, it can be success that if you're learning Talmud, you can come up with great novel understandings of Talmud, that's success. You can remember thousands of pages of Talmud, that's success. But there's other measurements of success that you really get the message of Torah. So when, when you learn up certain aspects of Torah, that you learn that you learn all about the topic of being mavater, to let it go, give it. So you can learn it, but it hasn't been absorbed into your being. So you haven't succeeded in that. So how do you succeed that when you really learn something, this, this is it, I get it, it's part of me. And, 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 and the truth of the matter is, the main school up, the main success depends on what you call yegiya, toil and effort. If you sit back and say, oh, let me just see. Interesting book. I'm going to relax. Now, the greatest idea is you relax in front of a book. Judaism, there's no such thing relaxing in front of a safer. That's the exact opposite. That's like telling a medical student who's cramming for a final exam, I'm going to relax in front of my biology book. No, you gotta say this is I gotta I gotta really understand what I'm saying and I gotta take attention, I gotta underline, I highlight, I take notes, I whatever, I memorize. You're really toiling and making effort. Because why? 
Because when you toil and make effort, it becomes part of you. We know that each and every Jewish soul relates to a letter of the Torah. And that's why when a Jew dies, on a certain level, it's like a Sefer Torah has been burnt. And what separates us from this divine uh, existence is the body is a sort of a barrier. In other words, I'm trying to connect to Hashem on a divine level. But you know, I got this body that's just interested in food and covenant and honor and lusts and all these things. And it, you know, just makes it hard. So therefore, how do you have success? By being able to push it away, the barrier. Okay, you try to plant seeds in a ground that's as hard as a rock. So what do you got to do? You got to plow and you plow the ground. Now the ground is soft. And now it's soft enough. If I put a seed in, it'll go in. Okay, my body is as hard as a rock. It doesn't want Torah to go in. So I got to plow the body. How do you do that? You got to make it uncomfortable. It's got to be uncomfortable. What do you mean? Get up in the morning, but I'm tired. I want to sleep another three hours. No, get up and start learning. You know, there are great rabbis, great rabbis who did incredible things. They would learn and learn and learn. Okay, we're not on that level, but they would really throw themselves into it. They would learn in the wintertime, and what would they do? They wanted to fall asleep. You know what they would do? They'd take their shoes and socks off, put their feet in freezing water so that they would stay awake and not fall asleep. The Chazanish would use every last drop of his strength. One time the Chazish was studying in his private study and people were in the living room and they hear a thump from the Chazish's room. They run in, they find he's on the ground. He said, what happened? He said, I learned Torah until I'm totally out of strength. And I stopped learning when I know I've got just enough strength to get me from my chair to my bed that's right next to me. I learned till I've used every ounce of strength and all I got left is just the strength to go five steps onto the bed. He said, I guess I miscalculated today. I didn't even have strength for five steps. Okay, we're not on that level. But you know, we live in a world that even when you're at work, if you have a desk job, how long do you stay on task without any interruption? How long? Couple minutes, because uh, oh, there's an email. Oh, I can distract myself. I can look there. Thank you. Have you ever, have you ever just worked on something like for an hour straight and not move your mind away from it? Did I, not, I used to. What? I used to. You used to. Yeah. Now that the cell phone and social media comes, it's, it's retarded our brains. But that's that's how you'll understand Torah. You only want to understand Torah, you got to really plow it through. Guess what? Prayer works the same way. When a person is talking to Hashem and he wants to cleave his soul to the Shekhinah, the body is a rock. It's a barrier. It's not going to allow you to feel this connection to Kodesh Baruch Hu. So what do you got to do? You got to soften up the body. Take the focus away from the body so the soul can get closer. 
and he brings from Reb Noam, from the Sefer Noam Elimelech of Luzhinsk, he's always careful that it should be done with his full power to throw everything you got into it. To mamish daven with enthusiasm. Not, you know, Ashrei Yishvei Meisachot. Ashrei Yishvei Meisachot, Yaluchas, Mamish, throw it all in. And therefore we have two movements, physical movements during prayer that are very close to each other. One is prostration, and the other is moving, chuckling. When you prostrate yourself, you're showing you're totally nullified before Hashem. And if you're going back and forth, that means your body is broken, you're shaking, you're trembling into pieces in front of God's awesomeness. Now, maybe in Odali, you may shuckle 10,000 times. But you got to know what you're shuffling from. You got to like feel this trepidation. You know, like when you're saying the Shema and you're thinking, he's not just saying six words. Shema Yisrael, listen. Hashem, Hashem's name. And you think, what is Hashem? Hashem, the awesome Hashem. You know, that, that, that's, your body should be moving, not that I'm, moving it like this way, but it's, it's you're trembling before Kaddish Baruch That is part of Chilui. Now obviously Chilui is saying words that you mean, but when you're saying words that you mean, the body language, is something called body language, is very real. Sometimes you could tell if somebody's a phony or not with the body language. Person apologizes. You could tell. You could tell pretty much with the body language if they mean it or not. You know, if the guy said, you know, the guy seems relaxed. Well, if you think I offended you, then I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's try that again, please. You know, and you say, "I'm not Michael. You, you're phony. What? You're a phony. You don't mean a word you're saying." I'm not Muslim, you can burn in hell until you ask me the right way. If the person takes it seriously, then it's going to come out different. I really feel bad. I shouldn't have done it. He's almost crying. So the body, so the problem with us, we shuckle that we move our body without the feeling. We're hoping it'll bring the feeling. But really, the feeling should come first, and then the body will just shake. Hey, try to remember when was the last time you were mama shaking? You know when last time you were shaking? When your parents caught you with your hands in the cookie jar. And start yelling at you and screaming at you. Whoa, then you were shaking. But now we have so many rights, no one can hurt you. But we don't, you're in front of a Kodesh Baruch So to be in that mindset, to shake, as is appropriate to shake, and to plead and to understand that that's what every tefillah is. And and really, it just to fall before Kodesh Baruch Hu. Did you ever fall before Kodesh Baruch Hu? Really, like you're so, you're so frightened, you just fall. I mean, we, we bend over, you know, that's just part of the routine.
routine, but to really just say, I'm in front of you, I just fall before you. That you know, there's nothing wrong with a person who would do that, but you have to be emotionally in tune to 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 just feel I'm collapsing in front of you, I could You're that amazing. Okay, we can't all reach these levels so quickly. But uh, to have this in mind of what a real chili is. Tomorrow we will go to the word Amida, which ties in a lot to what we're learning in the Rambam in Marnavuchim as well. Okay. One thing, can, can your feeling be happy? 